<laughs> well, I'll tell you what, that ovation does something really good for my ego. It's really nice. really makes me feel welcome. Hey, thank you for having me again. And I must say thank you, Pastor Adam, for the opportunity um, for this somewhat last Sunday as part of Connect here well, with my whānau. Uh, I was sitting there getting a little bit emotional. I don't get emotional. I'm, I'm tough. I'm hard. Yep, exactly. But I was, and the reason being is because this place has been a part of the fabric of our being for the last two years, and um, it's been a real special place for us, and I'm going to share a little bit about that uh, this morning. But before I do that, I want to tell you a quick story about a, a boy named Johnny. And there was a boy named Johnny, and he was out in the foyer of his church in the, in the foyer area, and there was a plaque on the wall, and Johnny was looking at this plaque, and it was a memorial plaque. Um, and it had names of people who had uh, served and died in war. The pastor saw Johnny from inside the, the hall, and he, he saw, the, uh, saw Johnny out there. So he went up to him, and he said, hey, hey, Johnny, how are you? How's it going this morning? Johnny's a 10, 11-year-old boy, and he turns to the pastor, and he says, he goes, oh, I'm good, thank you, pastor. And he says, hey, look, I notice you're looking at this, this plaque here on the wall, and do you know what it's all about? He goes, can I tell you what all these names are all about? And he goes, sure. So the pastor says to him, you see, all these names on this memorial here, these are the names of all the people who died in the service. Johnny, standing there with a worried look on his face, turns to the pastor and said, Pastor, did they die in the 9.30 or the 11? <laughs> but it wasn't a good day for Johnny that day. See, Johnny uh, went to Sunday school. And Johnny, the, the, the message in Sunday school that morning was a message on the creation story. And see, Johnny was quite intrigued about this message, in particular one part of it which talked about how Eve was formed from the rib of Adam. So he loved this, and he thought it was quite intriguing, and, and it was sort of ruminating with him for the entire week. So later on that week, Johnny was at home. His mum walks into the bedroom, and she sees Johnny lying on the floor with a look of pain on his face. She says to him, Johnny, what's the matter? Holding his side, he turns to his mother and he said, Mum, I'm not feeling well. I think I'm about to have a wife. <laughs> hey, look, I must say, the reason I say that this morning is because I couldn't do what I do and be where I am without uh, my wife, who is not a thorn in my flesh or, or a pain in my side. Uh, she is probably, probably is the better half. Of me, And I know when Spencer spoke a few weeks ago, he acknowledged his wife, and uh, I agree with him. It's not cheesy or corny, it's just the reality of what we do um, and who I am. Thank you, my wife. I love you so much. And all we are about to be here. So I am, um, I am excited and grateful, very, very grateful this morning to be here to speak to you. So let me pray really quick for our word this morning. I'll do that, and then we'll, we'll get into what God has for us here today. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this house. Lord, I thank you for the people and the leadership in this place and what it has meant to Lisa, myself, and our family. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I just ask, Father, that you, you be the one that works on the hearts of us, that either we walk away challenged, inspired, uplifted, but whatever it is, Lord, it's from you. So, Father, we just welcome you into this place this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I want to I am, yes, I'm going to share a word this morning in, in terms of a sermon, but I want to make it sort of a hybrid sermon. And what I mean by that is I want to share a little bit about the word. It's, we're going to talk about the word. But I know a lot of people don't really know 
all of our story. So while I speak about the word, when I say it's hybrid, I want to share a little bit of our testimony as well. Is that okay? Because people know part of our story. Some know all of our story. Some of you don't know us at all. And so I think it's important not to share it because it's about us, but to share it because God has done something with us and is doing something with us. And I believe there are people here today that might be able to take something from that. So our story starts, or what I'm titling our message this morning is finding your why. Finding your why, quite simple. But I want to, I want to kickstart us off, and you'll see the scripture come up on the screen, and it's from Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And the first part of Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2, verse 49 says this. It goes, and this is Jesus talking as a child, 12-year-old boy. It says, why did you seek me? Why did you seek me? Now, about two weeks ago, I was sitting at my table because we couldn't, I couldn't go into the city for work because we know the quake happened, and I was having my devotion time. And as I was reading through my devotion, and I was going to give a word to the kids as well, so I was looking at, fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. And we were going to, I was going to talk to them about that, but I was flicking through my Bible, and I came to this passage of Scripture, and I was just reading about Jesus, and I've read the story a thousand times. But this particular morning, something happened with me. God, I was sitting there, and the word remit itself to me. It was, it was coming alive and something new was happening in this word and I saw it different for the first time. And all the times I've read this passage of scripture, something hit me in a different way. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. See, when I look at this passage of scripture here and it says, why did you seek me? I think about myself and my journey and how we got here. And so I want to give this sermon to you this morning and th- like in three parts. So sort of like three chapters of my life over the last four or five years. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So chapter one is this. Why we came. Why we came. Now, growing up, I was born into a pastoral family. Okay, so I was born, my, by the time I was born, my father was already a pastor, and we were in the ministry. So I had a bit of a different upbringing. Unless you've sort of walked in the shoes of a pastoral family, you'll know what it's like. And see, for me, I have my siblings, my brother and my sister, uh, but we have very different skills and very different giftings. And for whatever reason, the pastoral family is always born with musical giftings. Okay, So my family were always into music and, 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 and singing and, and all this sort of stuff. But one of the things I had a little bit different from my, my brother and sister was that I was a bit more of a communicator. Okay, So I, I, had the, I could get up and speak in front of people fairly confidently. And as I grew, okay, in height and age, not with... <laughs> As I grew, um, the more, more people would tell me, hey, Cliff, you know, one day, who, one day you're going to be a pastor. One day you're going to be a preacher, you know, you're like your father. All this sort of stuff. And you would hear it and you say, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, 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 whatever. But what I found is that actually I started serving in the church. I started serving quite a lot. And I was doing a lot of things. And about three years, three or four years ago, it got to the point where in our church, we were doing everything, me and Lisa. We were across everything. And we ended up pastoring the, the church for a while. And I think I've shared this before. But in pastoring the church, it was the same time as we had the twins. And then I was a manager in my job in corrections. So you can imagine how crazy busy it was. But see, we did all this stuff. And as I grew up, some of the pressures that I had, it wasn't so much that I, I had to, to deal with, you know, um, some of the things other people deal with, like uh, broken home, you know, uh, <laughs> parents and relationships that are broken, or other struggles like that, drugs and alcohol, that wasn't really my struggle. What my struggle was, was expectation. 
See, I grew up from the moment I had friends and I was doing stuff. Man, everyone always expected Cliff to do the right thing. Cliff, you shouldn't say that. And if everyone else said it, they'd look at me like, are you going to say it? What are you thinking? Because you're the pastor's son. See, and it wasn't because my parents put it on me. It was just I felt the weight of expectation myself. If anything I said or did was out of line, then they would judge not me, but my parents. If I messed up at school, the first thing they would think about is, oh, you know, your dad's a pastor. What are they going to think? You know, what does that mean for their ministry? Things mustn't be right at home. You know, all that sort of stuff. And I felt the weight of that conviction. And it was real pressure for me. So as I think back on that, that sort of carried through with me into my adult life. And by the time I came into the ministry, and like I said, we were leading the church at this time, and I think we did a fantastic job, didn't we, my dear? We did a good job. And, and, um, but it got to a point when we handed the ministry back over, and all of that noise, and all of that stuff that was going on, man, I was there, I was committed, I did everything. Every Sunday, I was there. During the week, Monday we had this, Tuesday we had that, Wednesday we had, I was there, I was doing it. But when I look back, I did all the right things, probably for all the wrong reasons. See, I was doing what we call tradition. I was doing what we call, it was, it was our culture, it was our way of doing things. It was an expectation that I would do it. And I was almost going through the motions of ministry and service. So when I think about that, that here this morning, what it was for me was that I needed to hear God in that space three or four years ago. But I couldn't hear him, and I couldn't, I wanted to know for myself, actually, is this, you know, people are saying I'm going to be a pastor. People are saying you, you're a good, great preacher and a great speaker. But did I actually think that, or was I just conditioned now? Was I just conditioned because everyone else said it? And I began to believe it, and that's what I, I'm going to do. And that freaked me out. When I thought about it, I thought to myself, have I actually made any decision for myself about this? Was my relationship with God what I actually thought it was? Or what it, was it what was spoken at me? I wasn't sure. So I talked to my pastor and my father at the time and I said, Dad, I need, I need a change. I need something different. I just need to know if this is me or not. Because, you know, to be honest, people say to me, used to say to me, you're going to be a pastor. I said, Please, uh, there's nothing more than I want to, that I don't want to do than to be a pastor, you know. And that's purely because I saw the other side of it, what it, the toll it takes on your family at times and, and the things that most people won't see. But I, I came to that point where I needed to get out and I was so frustrated. I would finish Sunday and I would go home and I'd just be frustrated. I was passionate. I love God. But man, I, I just was so frustrated that things didn't go right. Or things weren't like this. Or things didn't happen the way I intended. And on all of that, where was God? Where was my relationship with him? It was becoming about activity and action and, and doing. I couldn't see it at the time, but I felt it. So I said to my father, my pastor, I need, I need a change. I need to go. This job came up down here. I rejected it the first time. It came back three months later. My father said, take it. Do it. Get out of here. He said, no one will understand. No one will really know why, but... You have to find this, do this journey for yourself. So I did, and against opposition, I remember standing in the room with the leaders that day telling them that we're going, and they were, some of them were crying and saying, why? Why? And that's the question or the statement I've got down here, why we came. Why we came is because I needed to hear God. I needed to hear Him for myself. I needed to find what it was that I was called to. And was this my choice or was it impressed upon me? 
And it takes us to this passage of scripture here. And I know I've said that we're going to look at Luke. Oh, we brought up Luke chapter 2, verse 49. But I want you just to go back with me a little bit. And we're going to step through this. And hopefully it gives some context to uh, what I'm talking about this morning. And it starts here in verse 41. If you've got your Bibles, read along with me. Otherwise, fakarongo, uh, listen up. Okay. It says here in verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And see, when I read that, man, it resonated with me that it's so easy to do things because it's customary. It's so easy to go places because it's what we do. It's tradition. And at this time, Jesus was a young boy and he'd sort of come of age. And now they were going on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover. And most of us sort of ignore some of these facts because we think it's just part of the story. But there's some real in-depth stuff here that God can do with us and, and teach us and show us. And I hope that you're going to hear that this morning. And in some of this story, I see myself as both Mary and Joseph. And I can also relate to where Jesus is and, and how he's positioned. So we're going to jump between both sides a little bit here. But it says there again that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the customs of the feast. Now, they were doing what was traditional. They were doing what was expected. Why? Because it was their custom. It's what they did at this time of the year. And sometimes, like I said, I feel like we as Christians or as believers of God, we do things and we get caught up in the traditions. We get caught up in the customs of doing things and forgetting the reasons why. Forgetting our heart. Forgetting the purpose that we were called. And it goes on to say here, further on, we read a bit more. And it comes into verse 43 when it says, When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Now, if I've got a bit of time, I'll talk about that lingering there. But it says Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. Joseph and his mother did not know it. Why? Because they were so caught up in the traditions of doing things that they did not realize that their Savior had been distanced from them. That we sometimes can move in the direction we believe is the right direction. And we believe we're doing the right things. But we distance ourselves from the Savior. We leave Jesus behind. And then we go on to read it a little bit further there and it says this. Verse 44, but supposing him to have been in the company, so they assumed Jesus should be where? Where they expected him to be. Suppose they should, they would be in their company. They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and their acquaintances. See, they expected Jesus to be where they left him. Aren't we like that sometimes? That we go off and we do our things and our customs and our traditions and what we need to do for us, and we expect Jesus to stay put. We expect Jesus to follow suit. But what does it say? Jesus lingered. See, Jesus had come of age. There was something that changed in him. And we know we talk about the God of the new thing, and this is the Jesus we're talking about here. He wasn't where... They left them and expected him to be. It wasn't the same old Jesus. Something changed. Something happened. And I, that's my greatest fear. And as I look back on why we came, because I was doing that very thing. I was becoming that very person that was moving in my traditions and my customs, but I was leaving behind Jesus or expecting him to stay where I left him. Expecting him to stay where I left him. says in verse 45 so when they did not find him they what they returned to jerusalem and it says they're seeking him like i said to you i needed to hear 
from God. And I've got written down here, Jesus can sometimes get forgotten in our tradition. Jesus can sometimes get forgotten in our customary things that we do every Sunday. We do all of this, I'm not saying this, I'm just saying in terms of us as the collective in church, but we do all this stuff sometimes with the right intention, but the wrong outcomes. We forget the why. Why did we come? Because I needed to find him again for me. I needed to find what my calling was, what I was supposed to do. And I believe that there might be people here today in the same position. I'm not saying that you've got to leave here. What I'm saying though is that you might be in that place where you're saying, God, what is it for me? I've been doing things and I've been leaving you where I expect you to be. I turn around, you're not there anymore. Because he doesn't sit around and wait for us. Which leads me to chapter two of my story. Why we came? Well, you've just heard it. I needed to find him. I needed to find myself. Chapter two is why we stayed. So when we bought our house and, and, and we were standing, I was standing on the deck. I've told a, a bit of a joke about this before. Standing on the deck and I said, we moved to Waikanae. And I remember, you know, and I said, oh, why can't I go home? All that sort of stuff. But I was standing there, and this is, this is the true account of what happened. I stood there on that deck, and I said, right, Lord, I'm here. And it was so quiet. And I said, like, Lord, where are you? Where's the answer? I've come here. This is the place. Where are you? And I realized something. I couldn't hear him. It was so quiet. And it was, I couldn't hear him because I was looking for an answer in, my, in, in what I expected and the way I wanted it, and the way I needed it, and I wanted it now, and I wanted it this way, and I wanted you to give me my whole life's meaning on that deck. (laughs) But it didn't happen that way. And see, what I was struggling with, and I'll be honest with you here this morning, what I struggled with was in myself. See, I was the guy that always did everything. My wife, thank God for her, said to me, you know, I'm usually the one that dishes out the wisdom, right? But she said to me, the first priority you know, and I thought she was going to say, we've got to go get a table or a chair or something like that. She goes, the first priority is we've got to find a church. And we've got to get involved. We came through those front doors that first Sunday we were here. She walked in. And we walked in just in this door here, this one door right here. She turned to me and she said, this is the place. This is it. Now, I struggled with myself. Because just purely because I was the guy that did everything. And I sat at the back in that back row there with Lisa that first Sunday. And I still remember who was speaking that Sunday, and it was our brother Mason and Aaron. And if I'm correct, they were speaking about um, being faithful in the little things. Is that correct? Being faithful in the small. There I was standing on my deck deck saying, Lord, where are you? Well, God walked down the aisle that morning when you guys preached, and he slapped me in the face. And he said, do you hear me now? (laughs) Being faithful in the little so I sat there and I had to do a bit of humbling in myself. I had to, to tell myself, you know, if this is the place that my wife thinks and believes that we should be, then God will do something. Sure enough, things began to happen. So why did we stay? Well, it says here then in verse 46, if you continue to follow with me, it says here in verse 46, Now, so it was after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, the funny thing is here about Mary, it says that after three days. Now, if I had Jesus as my son, 
I would, the first place I would think if I can't find him is he's probably somewhere holy. Right? He's probably in a temple. He's on his knees somewhere. But they didn't. It took them three days to find him. And isn't that like us? When we want a solution to our crisis, we either try and find it at the bottom of a bottle, at the tip of a needle, or there's some other in a bad relationship. But we don't go to the place where we know the salvation is. And here they were in a similar situation, looking for the father, looking for their son, Jesus. And it took them three days to find him. Man, do we see ourselves or what? I see myself big time. But then it was this, and I, I, I posed chapter two, which is why did we stay? Well, here it is. It says there, in the midst, and he found them in the, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of teachers, both listening to them, asking them questions, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Why did we stay? Because I keep it simple. The first time I heard Pastor Adam preach, when I heard Pastor Mason, when I, when I came into this place and people wrapped around us, it was to get around, like it says in the word here, the teachers and the teaching, to ask questions. Because I know that in that moment, as that, in that instant I sat there, I knew, I accepted it. I hear now, Lord, this is my ministry in my life. This is what I'm passionate about. How do I do that? I'd seen it work for 30 years in one way, but now I needed to see it in its growth. And it just happened to be that you guys were going through a change process. That you were doing some new things. And man, that excited me, because when I heard you speak at Vision Up, I heard uh, Pastor... Uh, Adam and, and Neil speaking a vision up. I got it. It made sense to me. Just revelation after revelation came upon me. I see that. I stayed because I was able to ask questions. I was able to get teaching. But it also goes on to say here a little bit further on. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. I was also able to give out as much as I was able to develop. And I can see it in the story here, what God is doing. Why did we stay? It's simple. First of all, we needed to be obedient. God called us in this place, so we're going to stay here for the time that we, we have to be. But then it was, I had to make a choice. And see, obedience is one thing. Being called to be obedient, but choosing to be obedient are two different things. And there's an old Māori proverb that goes like this. A, a young boy goes up to his grandfather, his koro, and he puts his hands behind his back. With both hands behind his back, he says... Koro, there is a bird in one of my hands. Now, depending on what bird you or what hand you choose, if you choose the hand that I'm, that's holding the bird, I will release the bird. It's free. I'll let it go. But if you choose the wrong hand, I will crush it and kill it. Sitting with the dilemma, his koro sits there. He stands up, goes over to the boy, puts his hand on his shoulder, and he says, boy, the choice is in your hand. The choice is in your hands. God can call you, and I've said this before, but we have to choose it. We have to be obedient to that call. So why do we stay? Because we, we had to be obedient. There were leaders here who could teach us. There were opportunities for relationships. But I tell you what, the, the, the ultimate thing was, was the people. The people. The heart for the people to want to be better. And I tell you this one thing, and I can say it because we're out the door here after today. I've seen a lot of pastors, I've seen a lot of works, but I tell you one thing I know for sure, without them being perfect, because I see it in my own parents, the one thing I absolutely loved about this place is the leadership. And I believe that the leadership here is striving to be better, striving for more, and has a real heart for God. And that was the thing that got me. And I knew this is the place. 
out of that, we were able to go to things myself and my wife have been able to go to the art conference and helping us fill in the gaps for some of our training and what we've been doing. We've been able to be involved in some of the ministries. Some of it's been for, for short periods of time. And I've been able to speak into people's lives and mentor. And, and I've also had my life touched and people spoken into that part of our life as well. Which leads me to this third chapter. So we've had why we came, why we stayed, but now why we must go. And it's very simple. And it says it here, verse 47. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Also, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And isn't that us sometimes? Sometimes we're seeking after Jesus and we see all this amazing stuff he's doing. Think, God, man, it's amazing. What are you doing in this place? But what do we do? We say, Lord, but what about me? Look what you've done to me. We think about ourselves. And it goes on to say this in verse 49. And he said to them, why did you seek me? And that was a revelation to me, like I said. Why, Cliff, are you seeking me? Most of us read that and think, it's like, why are you seeking me? Um, you know where I am. I'm in the temple. You're trying to find me. You know, why are you trying to look for me? You know where I am. But no, I believe God's saying to us something a bit different here today. He's saying to each and every one of you, as I point my finger around the room, I'm looking at you. Why do you seek him? Why do you seek him? Why must we go? Well, the answer's here. Because did you not know I must be about my father's business? See, I'm not st I would love to stay. I've made some really close friends. There's a family in the back here that, that sits in here today that we have a heart for. And we've become really close like brothers. And if it was my own decision, I'd love to stay. But why must I go? Why must we go? It's simple, because we must be about our father's business. I know who I am. And I tell you this much, it's not going to be easy. I'm not going because it's financially rewarding. It's far from it. It's scary, in fact. There are many answers that I don't have for the questions that are posed. There are many things that we have to work out. But I must be about my father's business. You know, I think I've said this before as I close this morning. I think I've said it, that the last time I checked, we are part of the new life, aren't we? We are not part of the old life. We are not part of the same life. We are not part of a life that's looking for just the consistency or just the convenient. We're part of the new life. And I believe in that statement. I believe in that name because Jesus is the Jesus of the new thing. That's why he lingered. Because it wasn't about tradition or custom. It was about his father's business. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 7, verse 49. I think it's going to come up on our screen. Acts 7, 49. It says this. And this is Stephen speaking here. Now, Stephen's been through a lot by this time. And he references a passage of scripture from Isaiah. And it's when the, the, the Israelites were, for look, were looking for a way to, to, to capture God's presence, right? Trying to house him. 
But what Stephen says is, and he brings up this passage of Scripture, and he recites it here, and he says, heaven is my throne. That's where I reside. That's where God is, man. He's over everything. And the earth is my footstool. What does it go on to say there? What house will you build for me, says the Lord. And we're not talking about a house with four walls and a roof. That's great. We need to build this church. And I love what's happening here. And I believe in what's happening here. But Pastor Adam has said this, and he's preaching as well, that the church is what? Is us. Here's my challenge to you this morning, church, is what house will you build for him? What house will you build for him in your own life? He can reside, he can make all things. It says it there, that have I not made all things by my hand? But he wants this house. What house will you build for me? I want to say thank you this morning for all your kind words of encouragement. For those that have been involved with our family in some way, that have visited our home, or that have had us over, or that we've been in groups with, I want to say thank you. And this is the start of a journey, but it's a sad day in, in many ways for us as well because we have absolutely cherished our time here. But I'll leave you with two things. I must be about my father's business. And second of all, what house will you build for me? Can I pray?